I'm Nathan Alberson, and I'm joined today by Pastor Tim Bailey and Pastor Jake Menzel. We're out of our minds. Out of Our Minds is brought to you by New Geneva Academy, which partners with the local church to equip men called to the pastorate and eldership and to help local church leaders implement a faithful vision for church growth. In other words, we train pastors. And if you or a man you know wants to be one, you should send them to newgenevaacademy.com. The following discussion was recorded on different continents, and you can tell... We're going to have some recordings that were actually done together, thank goodness, coming up soon. But until that time, thank you for your patience as we work out the technical glitches. I think we'll have them worked out well soon. Hello, everybody. We've got Nathan here, your humble and obedient host. We've got Jake, Pastor Jake Menzel. And Uh, Tim. And Tim, Pastor Tim. My question for you gentlemen today is maybe a simple one, maybe a complicated one. Let me throw it out there just to see what happens. When is submission not submission? (laughs) Oh yeah, buddy. I promised him I would send him the questions ahead of time, and then I decided it would be more fun not to send this one to him ahead of time. So I broke. That's always more fun with Tim. (laughs) Are you having problems with Meredith? No. (laughs) (laughs) She's she's she has the appearance of submission, and yet (laughs) I have a sneaking suspicion. Maybe Jake's she, having problems with Amanda, you know. Never. You know, is, this, both of, is this marriage counseling? Both both of our wives are such doormats. We want to teach them to you know, <laughs> say something for themselves. Oh, yeah. They're doormats. All right. Yeah. You better make that clear to your listeners that that's a lie. That's a lie. They are the opposite of doormats. They are... I don't know what the opposite of a doormat is, but... (laughs) So when is submission not submission? It's interesting. On Sanityville, that online discussion group that we have, there was a guy out in San Diego. He's a PhD. He's a top flight scientist. And he was talking about how he managed to get out of having to be a juror. And he processed it online, writing about how he believes in submission to the authority, that it's right that the government calls him to do jury duty, but that he also knew how to play the system so he was able to get out of doing jury duty. And you don't get paid, and maybe your employer, and he figured out what it would cost to his research and his teaching for him to be gone for who knows how long. And this, the, it was the same question he asked, which was, was he not submitting to the government by doing that? And I'm not saying that because I have an opinion, although I did <laughs> tell him that, that maybe I would have done the same thing, but I did think that maybe it would have been good for him to serve so that he could bring a Christian witness into it. But, oh my goodness, these things are complicated. So why do you ask? 
You know, every question has a context. Well, I think the context is probably we have a a young church plant and we have a lot of families that are trying to get themselves in order. And you see young families where you repent for, of being egalitarians or feminists into this like hyper exaggerated false form of patriarchy that isn't really biblical and isn't real leadership or submission. It's like everybody has a kind of cardboard idea at 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 worst they they have a couple of handles for it but if we could talk about some of the nuances and maybe we could be helpful to people somehow in our marriage counseling this phrase submission begins when you disagree kept coming up so Meredith made up a little song where she she just goes submission begins when you disagree but but she doesn't use it when what what she'll do is it, she'll sing it. She'll just hum it quietly when she really disagrees with me. <laughs> That's so like, so when she has no no intent to submit. Isn't that endearing, Nathan? <laughs> yeah, no. It's, 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 I'll be like, so we we really need to do this or such, and she'll be like, yeah, honey, that sounds great. And then I'll you know a, a few seconds later, I'll just hear under her breath. Submission begins when you disagree. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. So, to catch the listener up, when is submission not submission? That is the question we are asking today. Me and Jake have a lot of younger families in our church who are figuring this stuff out. Some Some of them can be very feminist, egalitarian. Some of them can be very cardboard in their... Submission. So we thought it would be a helpful thing to talk about for our church at the very least. Well, the first thing I would say is if you're stuck saying submission isn't submission, you say you're submitting, but you're not submitting, you've already lost. If you get stuck cornered trying to argue about what submission is, it's like, dude, <laughs> the game's over. <laughs> You've just subbed 10 players. <laughs> In other words, you start arguing about definitions, and it's a dead end. It just, and it's because marriage is relational, and marriage works with love. Marriage doesn't work with law. Yeah, I know yeah. that's a little weird to say, but I mean, this is the other half of you. This isn't like Putin and Ukraine, <laughs> where you have to bring in an occupying army and use suicide kamikaze drones. <laughs> if you're stuck doing that in marriage. All right, go ahead, Nate. <laughs> well, I think it's it's hard for people, though, if if they've come to this later in life or if they're just if they didn't grow up in a home where it was modeled or they didn't grow up in a church where it was modeled they're 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 like yeah i i okay i hear you when you say it's relational and it's a it's a dance and there's when i've got to figure it out i even hear you when you say i've got to figure it out myself but but please won't you give me some some handles like how how do i help i think what what maybe you can get caught doing if you want to be obedient to God and to scripture is saying, okay, well, submission must mean I have to shut off. I have to shut off my brain. I have, I have to become some kind of thoughtless doormat. If submission begins when I disagree, then I need to learn to never disagree, which means I need to stop 
thinking I need to stop engaging. And then what you actually end up then doing is killing the relationship. There's no exchange that happens between husband and wife. There's simply command, receive command. Things can get really weird. That can't be maintained either. So it's like the couple that says that they never fight and they're never angry. Well, what you know is that they're always angry and... Or repressing. Yeah, because they're repressing that anger, it's going to explode over the dumbest possible Mm -hmm. thing, Mm -hmm. right? It'll come out of her socks and it'll be you always and you never. And you'll find that this couple that never fights and never has disagreements manages to have a very careful record of wrongs that's been kept and accumulated internally. When Meredith sings that song or hums that tune, she knows that that's not what I mean. And that's not what Elizabeth Elliot meant. What Elizabeth Elliot meant when she said submission begins when you disagree is that the challenge to our submission doesn't come until we disagree. It doesn't mean that every time we disagree that submission means we turn around and agree. That's to twist that statement. I'm sitting here thinking about, I've been in Genesis, and I'm thinking about being married to Abraham. And the New Testament says that you're Sarah's daughters if you live like she lived. But I mean, can you imagine the conversations that went on between the two of them in the tent after the angels came and caught her laughing? And we forget the fact that earlier, he laughed. They both laughed. But do you Mm -hmm. think Abraham ever admitted he had laughed later when she laughed and they caught her in her laughing? And then what about the whole issue of her twice being told to say she was his sister? If Sarah is a model of submission and godly femininity, godly womanhood, are we really going to reduce her to a two-dimensional, yes, Abraham, That's just absurd. Yes, it's right that every godly woman, when she disagrees with her husband and he said, look, that's what I want to do, should think to herself, submission begins when you disagree. But that doesn't mean that every time she disagrees, she should say, I must submit. Mm. Because there are many times when a wife is not a helper to me. Mary Lee isn't a helper to me. When she says, oh, he disagrees, so I'll submit. I mean, an awful lot of the best help Mary Lee gives me is when she disagrees and holds firm. Yeah. But let me just play the role of the person who's feeling tension about this. I mean, how do I know the difference between when to hold firm and when to push back and when to just shut my mouth and do what he says? I want to say it's no good trying to even make a formula of it because yeah, every marriage is different. Every couple's interactions are different. The The process of learning how to be a help to your husband is it's years in the making and it comes with lots of mistakes. It comes with lots of not shutting up when it's time to shut up and not saying something when it was time to say something and having conversations about it, being open with each other and learning to trust each other and learning that you're for each other, even when you do disagree. And that's just, that's the work of marriage. It's the work of loving each other. That's the work of figuring out how to live as a a godly couple that 
that honors the Lord. And so it's the kind of thing that you should be able to talk about, I think. Maybe not in the moment, but after the fact. You mean with your spouse? Yeah. Yeah, and I think as you get older, maybe not in the moment, but maybe soon after the moment. An awful lot of growing in marriage is making those moments shorter and shorter. The moments Mm -hmm. between your offense and your apology, the moments between the apology and the forgiveness, the moments between disagreements and self-awareness, self-critical capacity. I think about elders' meetings, and good elders' meetings have arguments and disagreement. I saw you to a pastor earlier today, and he was describing a, a disagreement in his elders' board over what to do about a certain thing. And it had to do with a it had to do with a meeting they were going to have as a church. And I told him, you know, I think you ought to let the church know about the disagreement between you guys. So earlier, Nathan, you talked about if you don't have good models, you haven't seen this in the church. And I was kind of laughing inside. I didn't say anything, but I was thinking, oh yeah, good models. The good models are the people that have arguments. I really believe that not quarrels. I really think that one of the things that's most difficult for people today is ever disagreeing with anyone because everybody's so insecure and so focused on protecting their own personhood and their own identity and everything. And trust me, with elders, boards, with marriage, even between the three of us, we don't grow until we argue. And I know people are going to be scandalized by that, But it's the truth. You can see this in Scripture, where you have men arguing with God. Think of Moses. Oh, but God, Yahweh, do you know what the Egyptians are going to say about you if you wipe all the Israelites out? And we don't want to say that God was improved by Moses, although that is how the text presents it, right? I mean, it just, it really does present it that Moses arguing from the character of God and his reputation actually changes the direction of what God's going to do. And I don't want to be a heretic about it. Well, if that's the case with God, how much more so with merely a husband? And women, I was talking to a pastor. I was saying, you talk to your wife about what's going on at church where there are difficult things. And and he said, I mean, he didn't say no, but he indicated that, no, he really didn't do it. And I said, why don't you? And he said, well, because I'm trying to protect her. And that's what all pastors will say. You know, I don't talk to my wife about the difficult situations at church because I want to protect her. And I said to him, I said, you know, it's not because you want to protect her. It's because you want to protect yourself. And I said, I know that because that's me. I am so tired of Mary Lee improving me. You go through these heavy situations at church, and then you go home, and what? I'm supposed to go through them again? I'm already <laughs> tired. Yep, um, I yep. don't want to repeat what he said, she said, I said. I just want to go to sleep. And it would be nice if I could go to sleep next to my wife and just be quiet. But no, she's going to improve me. <laughs> and there's no way out of this. This is the nature of marriage. And if anybody's looking for a formula that their pastor can say to their wife, you didn't submit to him, naughty, naughty woman. It's just like pathetic. I'd say one other thing, Nate. Mm -hmm. 
I call him Nate because that's what I called my brother, and I love my brother, and I love Nathan. The other thing I'd say is a husband is a steward of his wife's gifts. And don't we all despise the man that stewards them by shutting them down? Can't we all tell the man immediately just looking at his wife and him Mm -hmm. that's always shutting his wife down? I am little, so so you must be little too. Yep. Well, yeah. But people, men that hear that are going to say, I'm not a little man. Another little man never admits he's a little man. When did you ever see Barney Fife say, I'm a little man? (laughs) (laughs) I think we should be sympathetic to men that are insecure with their wives, right? Shouldn't we love them? Shouldn't we say that we understand them? Yeah, absolutely. Isn't it often the case that when our wife is most incisive and wise is the moment we want to shut her down? Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so here's a question. Uh, Let's talk to that husband for a minute. And maybe maybe there's there's probably not a, a formula. I'm getting a sense there's not a lot of formulas here. But what would you say to that husband if he says, okay, you know what? I've been insecure. I've put my wife down. I've browbeat her. I've whatever. Mm-hmm. I, I have not cultivated her ability to mm-hmm. disagree with me, to push back, to improve me. And I'd like to start doing that. How do I cultivate that in her? How do I start the process? Well, immediately what I would say is we have to live in the tunnel of chaos between shutting her down and abdicating to her. And that's where none of us want to live. Yeah. Because halfway in between those two things is where, help me, Jake. Where faith and discernment and wisdom and just living with tension, that's what's required of you. You have to have faith for that. You can't just be on or off. And it's easy to be either on or off and to flip a switch between on or off, but to always be in the tension of having to be discerning, of having to live by faith, of having to negotiate an actual relationship. That's hard. It's hard work and we're lazy. And if you've cultivated a a marriage of five, 10, 15, 20, however many years of I'm just going to live by, you know, how did you characterize it, Nathan? I've browbeaten her. I've, yeah. I've shut her down. I've, well then, okay, well, you've set up some really difficult patterns and you've leaned into a certain kind of lazy approach to marriage. And it's just going to be hard to not want to just flip the switch the other way, then flip it right back. And a lot of, I think, of growing is, simply recognizing that that's what you're doing, recognizing that you want an easy answer, that you want an easy out, and then repenting of it. And and repenting uh, of it is not flipping the switch. That's right. Repenting of it is owning your obligation to be a steward of your home, of your decisions, of your money, of your house, of your wife's wisdom and discernment. And that's where we reform men never want to live because we're clean machines and we want to do what is right. Mm -hmm. But often right is a combination of right and wrong. Hmm. 
and I don't know how to describe that. I'm not arguing for sin. But if we have some expectation that we can be right, I mean, I've been teaching these students at uh, Bibel Seminar Bonn here in Germany, and I keep trying to explain to them that God is pleased to use sinners to feed his flock. And he could have sent angels, this is what Calvin says. And so I tell them that when you start serving the sheep and protecting them and feeding them, from the very beginning, you're a sinner, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And so if you have an expectation of being right in your care for God's sheep, you'd just always be wrong. Mm-hmm. I know that sounds crazy. I don't know. I've never said that before, but there is a real seductive expectation of perfection in the Reformed world. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we're celebrating being broken. You know that whole thing, mm-hmm. church planners say, I'm just a broken man and you're a broken man. Let's all get together and have a huddle and be broken. <laughs> That's yeah, not what I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll cut this out, but the thing that you've made me think of is a man I saw on Twitter today saying, if a pastor has ever glanced, even glanced, at pornography once, then he is disqualified from ministry, period, end of sentence, no exceptions. That was the tweet. And I was thinking about that today, and what I was thinking is the sheep who are simple like it. Because they're like, yeah, we have a leader who's pure and who fights for us and who who cares. But but really what I think this guy is, this is the thought I had, this guy is just a flatterer, actually, because he's promising a level of perfection that he cannot deliver. He's telling you, you deserve a level of perfection from your leader that no one deserves or is capable of getting. And he's holding up a false standard that no one, actually, including him, I'm sure, actually adheres to in a perfect way. People are going to hear what you're saying as a defense of pornography, but that's not what it is at all. My guess is that you have much more of a condemnation of pornography and a fleeing of it than he does. When you have people talking like that as if there are those who look at pornography and those of us who don't, it's like Samuel Johnson said, the louder he talked of his honor, the quicker I counted my spoons. Mm-hmm. Yep. And what we have to realize is, by implication, that man would absolutely condemn the snot out of King David ever assuming the throne again. It wasn't pornography with him. It was an ongoing (laughs) adulterous relationship and the murder of her husband. Mm. Now, I'm not arguing that we should hire pastors who have committed adultery and murdered the husband. And yet, we have to recognize that the Hall of Faith in Hebrews is filled with a bunch of guys like you were just mentioning would be scandalized to think of God through his Holy Spirit inspiring somebody to call them men of faith. Mm -hmm. I so often feel that it's like we don't know ourselves. Mm -hmm. Does this guy go to mixed bathing beaches? (laughs) And how much different is that from pornography? Well, that's what I was thinking, like, okay, you're scrolling Twitter or Instagram or something like that. You come across a a picture, a bad picture. You linger on it for three seconds. You don't immediately scroll past it. Um, and that's pornography. In other words, it's, it's, it's making love to a woman through your mind and eyes. By that guy's standard, 
you do that, you should go to your elders board and say, I resign. I I resign. I'm disqualified. Throw everything into disarray. It doesn't matter. No exceptions. Can we please be charitable? Yeah. Can we please be understanding about the weakness of our natures and therefore the weakness of other people's natures? Can we please not judge our wives more harshly than we judge ourselves when we go to work and we're not submissive to our bosses or when we read the news and are livid over the political authorities over us? Mm -hmm. There has to be some... I don't know, Nate. What am I trying to say? Humility? Equilibrium? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. Some reality. <laughs> Some reality. <laughs> Somehow reality and humility seem to go together. <laughs> you know? Well, the other thing that you guys made me think of was a time, I think it was within the first three months of being married, where Meredith, I don't know what she did. I don't remember the circumstances, but I said, you need to be more respectful. And I actually think I was right. I was right to say it. I don't remember what she did, but it was bad, whatever. And then for the next eight hours, she was trying to be more respectful and it was just the worst. Like she was uh, like so boring and like uh, not saying She punished you for saying it. (laughs) No, but maybe nine women out of 10 would have, but she actually wasn't punishing me in this tender case. conscience she, uh, uh-huh. she was just being tender conscious okay i gotta uh-huh. be respectful and so and, and then she, uh-huh. she's just like uh this simpering thing that i didn't marry and at the end of the day i remember we had this conversation where i was just like honey i don't know what respect looks like but uh, <laughs> That wasn't it. <laughs> that wasn't it. <laughs> and she said, okay, well, so what do you want me to do? And I said, well, you got to be alive. Like, I love, I married you because you're lively and you're fun and you, uh, you know, you make jokes and stuff. Like, if, if respect means we remove all that, then that's no good. That's So she was like, okay, how do I split the difference? And I said, I have no idea. But Well, we Nathan, as I've gotten stuff. older... As I've gotten older, one of the things I appreciate is in a movie where a subordinate to an officer in the military looks at him and says, permission to speak freely. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes children to parents, wives to husbands, husbands to civil authorities, what we need to do is we need to say, hey, listen, I know. <laughs> I'm going outside the boundaries of submission here, although I think I'm submitting because I'm going to say to you, may I speak freely? Now, I don't mean that every time a wife disagrees with her husband, she should say permission to speak freely. But there are some times where the fight is so intense that that might not be a bad thing to say. Hey, honey, listen, lover, I'm sorry, but can I tell you what I really think? And I really think we as husbands have a tendency to either want our wives to be wallflowers or to want them to be men. The problem with us wanting them to be men is that then they wear the pants. And I don't mean by that that we lose our manhood. I mean that we don't feel the weight of responsibility for them and our children anymore. And if you feel like giving in to your wife has absolved you of the responsibility for a decision in the future direction of your home, that's even worse than her rebellion. 
if she's going to rebel and you're going to listen to her, you own that. She doesn't. And that's so often the case with men is they'll blame her. They'll say, well, she wouldn't listen. It's like, dude, she's your wife. You have an obligation to own what she does. And I know men would say, well, that's easy for you to say you have a submissive wife. And what they don't know is all three of us are looking at each other and smiling right now. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's not easy for him to say. <laughs> and I love Mary Lee, but I can't tell you how often in my life I wish she wouldn't tell me what she thinks. I can't tell you how often in my life I wish I didn't have to tell her what's going on so I don't hear what she thinks. I can't tell you how much of my leadership in our churches has been a function of Mary Lee telling me what I should do. And I know people are going to say, well, you're just such a coward and such a wuss and such a... But I'll tell you, everybody in the churches I've served has been very happy that I listen to Mary Lee and do what she tells me to do. <laughs> how will people listening to this even understand what I just said? Oh, man. I mean, that's the frustrating thing about a conversation like this is we are talking about intangibles in some way, uh, a dance. And, and it's hard to describe that. It's hard to articulate that. It's hard to put that into words for people who maybe haven't seen it. Yeah, because when you said at the beginning that maybe you've never seen this modeled, I was thinking immediately, yeah, and that absolves them. They haven't seen it modeled. But honestly, many people, if they saw it modeled, they'd think they weren't seeing it modeled. That's right. They judge it. That's right. Because what it would look like is a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> now that's funny. <laughs> well, I think what we're really saying is people don't want to live by faith. So they, they just want faith, they, they, yeah. they want a law. They want it. Well, I, I do this, you do this, and and we're absolved of further responsibility in the matter. We've played our part. We've undertook the, the ritual. Yeah, they want rules. The dopiest evangelical saying of all time is, it's not about rules, it's about a relationship. But the reality of marriage is it's a relationship, and it's not about rules. And God gives us commands for a reason, but they're really simple. And it's like you said at, at that, I, I want to say the beginning, but it was probably in the middle somewhere. Like, there's no clean way to do this. There's only failing in the right direction. I can imagine people listening to this and thinking, well, you guys are really sort of feminists. You guys are trying to say that a wife should not submit to her husband in everything. And, and my response is to say that we have to look at Scripture. We have the example of Abigail. Was Abigail ungodly? when she dealt with her husband the way she did? And if so, why did David go and marry her after he died? And then what about Priscilla when she corrected Apollos with her husband? And what about Deborah? And what about the godly mother that you had that sometimes went against your father for the sake of your soul? I mean, I think all of us who had godly mothers at times saw our mothers make it clear to us that we were answerable to God, despite what our father said. <laughs> I think we've all had that. And what we have to realize that is that only God is God. Our husband is not God. 
And so, yes, we're to submit to him and everything, but there is a way of disagreeing with our husband that is submissive. There is a way of improving him that is gentle and meek. And we have to stop thinking that if we just get this right and we just get this right, then nobody can accuse us of not getting things right. And that is the death of pastoral ministry, of the eldership, and of fatherhood. If our goal is to be right, we'll never be right. Mm -hmm. Because we'll be playing to people instead of to God. As you were talking, I was thinking it might help some husbands actually to realize that they probably have a much more nuanced view of their own submission than they do of their wives' submission. Like, in other words, <laughs> we all have jobs. And if you go to a job, then you know there is a difference between you've got the company goals over here, you've got what the CEO is saying over here, you've got your immediate supervisor over mm -hmm. here, and you're mm -hmm. navigating all this gray space. You've got your immediate supervisor has said, I need this done this week. And then he said, this is how you do it. And you know that if you do it this way, you're not actually going to get the thing done. That's his big goal. And it's like, we all navigate these things all the time. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're always willing to give ourselves leeway and, and nuance and space to, to mm -hmm. kind of figure it out. But then we turn around with, with something like marriage and say, well, it's got to go through the. Yeah. And that's the thing I've been, we've been saying for three years about COVID and the election and Trump and all this stuff is that you read online what all these guys who are patriarchs in their home and their wives say they have the most godly head that any woman has and all, all this rigmarole. And then this dude is online going ape, ape monkey. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> or I don't know. Eight bat is our word. Eight bat. Yeah. yeah, he's going eight bat over his civil authorities, mm -hmm. and he's saying that he has an obligation to go eight bat because they are not holding by the whatchamajiggy and the it says that they should be whatchamajiggy around the orangutan and the perambulator. <laughs> <laughs> and I just listen and read them, and I just think, for heaven's sakes, dude, if your wife ever did that with you, you would go, ape bat. <laughs> if she did the orangutan and the perambulator. Yeah, <laughs> over the perambulator. <laughs> and I'm not faulting them for that. Hmm. I think that we are all inconsistent. The problem is when I point it out to them, they just get angrier. And it reminds me of guys where you make a wrong move in your car, okay? I, I don't have one to suggest like you change lanes at a wrong time or something. And there's some dude in a pickup truck sing, sitting high and mighty. And he pulls up next to you and he leans across his wife and he gives you the finger through the window mm. and says blankety blank you blank 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 you know what i'm saying yeah. and a couple of times i have the window's been open you know it's summer no air conditioning i don't know but the window's been open and i've looked over at his wife and i say to him i pity being married to you and the reason is 
that it's obvious that he thinks he's the perfect keeper of traffic rules, of, of politeness on the road, of everything. Well, you transfer that to the home. Can you even imagine living with a guy like that? The minute you make a small mistake, now I'm talking about a small mistake. I'm not talking about hitting his precious pickup truck. Right. <laughs> I'm just talking about a lane change or something. I think it would be good to end with the two scriptural statements, which is wives submit to your husbands and everything. And husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way. And why? Well, because she's the weaker vessel. And so we always have to come back to scripture on these things because the Apostle Paul doesn't give us an hour podcast on how to do the things he's saying, and there's no need. It's our obligation to do these things. Mm -hmm. And all we're doing is trying to help people to understand that, yeah, they're having problems. Yeah, it's difficult. But when it comes back, the wife needs to think about whether she's being submissive, and the husband has to think about whether he's being understanding. Out of Our Minds was brought to you once again by New Geneva Academy. New Geneva Academy is training the next generation of pastors for historically reformed churches through a combination of distance education, local mentoring, and tailored in-person training. We're rigorous. We're also affordable. Go today to newgenevaacademy.com, where training shepherds after God's own heart is the goal.